0: Praise the Lord. Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Hallelujah. Turn, if you would, in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11. Verse 1. This is a very fascinating time in history uh, that I'll be reading this morning. It's a foundation... Um, really to the whole Bible and the end of the Bible, it provides kind of a bookend. Um, God's trying to explain what transpired at the beginning of creation. And uh, this is kind of a um, summary of that first early period of history. And God's trying to give us an example of what went wrong. Um, chapter 11, uh, it comes right after the flood, you know, maybe 150 years, 100 years after the flood. And, uh, this is the tower of Babel in the scripture. And, uh, God is just trying to show what happened on the earth. How many know that that was a very wicked time on the earth? And he's trying to explain what happened um, and it really is the foundation of prophecy. Because once you get to the end of the Bible, and we'll finish this message uh, at the end, it talks about Babylon. And it's kind of a summary of what happened here, finds its completion at the end of um, the book of Revelation. The end of the age as we know it culminates with Babylon again. And uh, so it's very important to understand the foundational teachings in Genesis chapter 11. It says, Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass, as they journeyed from the east, that they found a plain in the land of Shiner. And they dwelt there. They said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone and they had asphalt for mortar and they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let's make a name for ourselves and let's, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down. Isn't this fascinating? The Lord actually came down and visited them. So the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one. They have one language, and this is what they begin to do. Now nothing they propose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the whole earth. They ceased building, the, and they ceased building the city. Therefore, its name is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad the face of the whole earth. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I just pray right now, Lord, that you would speak to us, Lord. Lord, give us clarity, Lord, and understanding, Lord, and, and help us apply um, everything that we hear and, uh, into our lives, Lord, that affects us, Lord. Um, every day of our life, Lord God, your words and uh, Lord, I just pray that we would be obedient to everything um, that you ask us to do, Lord God, and that we would be faithful uh, to trust you, Lord God, through this life and that uh, we would build our life upon you, Lord. And I pray that you touch your people with this message. In your name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. <clears throat> the title of this message is called Sandcastles. How many of that brings good memories? You have ever sat on a beach and um, if you're skilled at building sandcastles, um, you know you got to be a little bit near the water, right? Because you need a little moisture for it to stick a little bit. And you can build some pretty elaborate structures in the sand. How many have ever seen some of the sandcastles that some people have been able to build. And when you're in a project like that, how many are project-oriented people? There's nothing else you can see, right? You don't see the beautiful ocean. You don't see friends and family. You see sandcastle, right? And you're building moats, you're building towers. You're building a city in the sand, right? How many can see what's happening here? I mean, you're focused and you're locked in and, and some of you, it wasn't sand castles. It was Legos. How I many have you ever seen all the different things you can build with Legos? And man, some of the things that I've built, Chad, you have no idea of the cities i built within Lego. And how many have ever seen somebody locked in on that? Nobody, there's nothing in the world going on except that building in that creation, right? Um, one of the things my girls will sometimes do, and my, my boys used to do, is they would show me the cities that they built on the, the game system. How many have ever been inside one of those and seen? My girls will take me in and say, look at the house I built. And I'm always like really interested. It's like, wow, what would they build if they could build a house? How many have ever seen some of the game systems and some of the games where you can actually build houses and farms and cities? And they're like, they'll take you in there and they're like, wow, well, look, you know, it's even got a back staircase, you know, and fireplace and look at all the furniture that's in it and And how many have ever gotten preoccupied with games like that? And um, so that's what I want to talk about today is there's something inside of us that wants to build. You know, we have an, an innate desire to build things. And it's not all bad. You know, a lot of the things we want to build are for security, for safety, for, you know, enjoyment in life. And so that desire to build is there for a reason and it's not a bad thing. But something in this story is bad. Something in this story is sinister and it's evil and we've got to figure out what it is because whatever it is, God is not putting his acceptance on this. In fact, he's making a point to tell this story and separate it out so that we don't do what they're doing here. And it's all through the Bible. It's a very consistent pattern that Babylon was a bad situation. So one of the things we see here is what is this building at Babel that they're trying to build and why is it a negative thing? How many agree that it's not positive what's happening here? Uh, It's always a negative connotation. God is making this story to tell us something that we need to be aware of. Um, this building, as you begin to look at the historical records, both in the Assyrians and the Babylonians and and just the records from the Bible and a lot of different historians, um, they will tell you this is a um, this is a religious structure. This is a house of religion <clears throat> all right. Okay, This is a house of religion. So this is a house that's being built literally to um, reach the heavens. How many see this? They're trying to reach the heavens with whatever they're building. And so as you begin to follow this, Nimrod's name actually means something. His name means to rebel or the rebellious one. And so he's the founder of Babylon and Assyria. And it says that he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. So after the flood, here we are, 100 150 years after the flood. How many think the flood was a serious time? I mean, they have to literally repopulate the earth during this time because it was such a serious judgment on man. Uh, God, to say the least, wasn't happy with the way that we had behaved on the earth. And so there's literally a repopulation of the earth, and this is, uh, just a few generations. In fact, he's a great-grandson. It's, uh, Noah's son, uh, Ham has a son named Cush, and Cush has a son named, uh, Nimrod, and Nimrod's part of this building project. So, great-grand, gr- what is that, great-grandson of Noah. And so history will tell us, in fact, Josephus says this. He says, Now it was Nimrod who excited them to such an affront and contempt of God. He was a bold man of great strength of hand. He persuaded them not to ascribe to God as if it were through his means that they were happy, but to believe that it was their own courage which made them happy. He also gradually changed the government into tyranny, seeing that no other way of turning men from the fear of God, but to bring them into a constant dependence on his power. That's from Josephus. The Tower of Babel was in essence an attempt to have their own way apart from God. Humans were commanded to be fruitful and fill the earth. Instead, they attempted to settle down in one location and establish a world state to offset the divine rule. The tower was meant to be a rebellious attempt to break from the divine rule. They did not wish to obey God. How many can see this is starting to develop into something bigger than just a building? In fact, they had lots of buildings in the ancient world. From the time of Cain until the time of the flood, there were lots of buildings that were built... And But this building was unique in the fact that it was after the flood. Now, if you look back to the time of Cain, how many remember Cain and Abel? And uh, they were the two sons of Adam and Eve. And Cain and Abel got into a conflict. And when they got into the conflict, Cain actually murdered Abel. And so it was the first murder on the earth. And it says after that moment, it says Cain left the presence of God. And there's a very um, specific point of making that he was leaving his presence. Like the presence had been there, and this is in Genesis 4.16, but Cain decided to leave his presence. And it says he went on to build a city. And that city he named after his son, and the Bible says that Cain began to be great. It talks about all of the inventions that his family had made, and they had became the uh, fathers of metalworking and instruments, and they just became a very scientifically advanced family, and they began to really grow upon the earth and really be successful. And So what Genesis begins to tell you is that due to Cain's family, the entire earth becomes corrupted. In fact, they begin to live without the presence of God. They leave his presence and build a society that has no room for God. They built the cities because they wanted to be independent. They wanted to be without God. They wanted to not have God in their mind and in their thinking. They were literally trying to break the divine rule in their life. They wanted to rule themselves without God. And so this begins to happen. And the Bible, um, what's really interesting is, God doesn't deal with it the same way back in Cain's day as he does in the days of uh, Babel and Nimrod. God just lets it go. He lets Cain go. He lets that society grow. And, and, and you know the end of the story. That society ends, ends up really growing. And how many understand that the flood was due to the fact that violence just covered the earth? I mean, violence filled the earth, and that family of Cain spread this rebellion against God all over the earth, and God had to step in because violence was so bad on the earth, and the earth was so covered with very bad things. And so now God has begun to, you know, Noah comes off of the ark, and now they're in this specific geographical area. They say there may be somewhere between maybe around 300,000 people on there, 30,000 to 300,000 people on earth. They're all in a certain region. And guess what man begins to do again? They begin to build again. And Nimrod begins to do exactly what um, Cain did. He starts to build a city. And like I said, how many know that's our nature? But the difference here is the cities that they're building are cities that are made to operate without God. God. Their foundations are without God. Their foundations are to replace God. Their foundations are to build a religion without God. And so as we begin to look at history, we see that Nimrod, he builds two different empires. In fact, he builds an empire... In Shinar, which is Babel, Erech, Akkad, and Kalna. And then after the confusion of the languages, he goes and builds a second kingdom in Assyria, uh, which the Bible calls the land of Nimrod. And so as he's in these areas, he doesn't just build a empire in both places. He builds his own religion. This guy had the audacity to build his own religion. And so he began to unite the people together and he began to literally tell the people, according to historical records, that I will protect you from the judgment of God. And so he starts to build this ideal that he could build a city so great, building so tall that God's judgment would not even be able to affect them. That's why he built, they say, the tallest buildings, not only to, to reach the heavens, but also to protect them from judgment from God again. And so people began to trust in this man so much that he began to build his own religion. And they began to worship Nimrod as God. And so Nimrod dies, and his mother, Semiramis, and some of the records say it's his mother, and some say it's his wife. So they speculate that His wife may have been his mother. This is how twisted it is. And so she makes herself the goddess, the queen of heaven. The uh, virgin mother, she called herself. And said that she was a virgin. Now remember, the Bible had just had prophecies in the days of Adam that said that there would be a Messiah who would come, who would be born. From the seed of a woman. So they knew that God was going to send a Messiah. And this person was not even of the right lineage. He was from the family of Ham, not from the family of Shem. And he tried to be that person. And so he began to build a religion. And so she claimed that she had a supernatural birth. And by the rays of sunshine, she had a child named uh, Tammuz. And Tammuz became worshipped. In fact, um, as you begin to look and the languages begin to change and people begin to go throughout the face of the earth, she became Ishtar of Syria. She became Astarte of Phoenicia. She became Isis in Egypt, Aphrodite in Greece, and Venus of Rome. Her son, Tammuz, became Baal in Phoenicia. Osiris in Egypt, Eros in Greece, and Cupid in Rome. How many know that when God disturbed the languages and it began to spread on the earth, this false religion began to spread to all the corners of the earth? And so they were building a religious institution. They were building a building that the Bible, or history says, was a ziggurat. And at the top of it was worship. And they were worshiping a God that nobody had ever known before. They were replacing the true God with their own religion. And can I tell you something today? We do the same thing. I want to take you back to the sandcastles. Sometimes we can spend our whole life building things that just won't last. You know how sad it is when you built that beautiful sandcastle? And because it's so close to the water, man, you can just see the waves come up and it just knocks it all down. Or how many have ever built something with Lincoln logs or some kind of structure and somebody just comes through and One hand wipes it out. I mean, you know, sometimes we build religious structures. We put a lot of effort into it. And we put a lot of our time into it. And we put a lot of our energy into it. And and it's not something that God actually wanted us to do. And so it says that He comes down. And isn't this amazing that He Himself comes down? God Himself comes down to look at the work of our hands. That's very, very fascinating. It'd make me a little nervous if God came down to look at what I'm building. And the implication is He's not happy with it. And... uh, he has to immediately stop what they're doing and immediately has to redirect it and immediately go a different direction than the direction this project is going. And so one thing that I'm really amazed with is the contrast between this beautiful, big... Now, let's think. They said, let's make a name for ourselves. Let's make sure everybody knows who we are, and let's make sure we have something that lasts. And can I tell you something? In this period of time from Cain to Nimrod are some of the most impressive buildings the world has ever seen. These ziggurats and pyramids, a lot of them still stand today. And they're amazing things to look at and just imagine how did they even build that. You know, how many have ever seen these structures? I mean, they are what we would think built to last. You know, they're amazing structures that just defy logic, really. I mean, they're pretty impressive structures. And they're the man's work. And I would think, you know, maybe it'd be very similar if... You know, another culture came back and looked at some of our skyscrapers and how amazing they are and how big they are and how incredible the structures are. And, you know, in life, we can build some pretty impressive things. We can build some pretty amazing structures and we can build some things. And uh, we're kind of the same way. We build that sandcastle and sometimes in life we're building things that won't last forever forever. And we don't, we don't see anything else around us. We're kind of like that kid in the sand. You know, we build a business, we build a house, we build a job, we build all these different structures. And how many know the sand castle is not only on sand, it's actually made of sand. And so in life, a lot of times this is what we do. We build something that's not going to last. And and so man, it's amazing that the things that they're building are so big and so enduring. And we want to see what ends up happening to their sandcastles. Because how many would say, man, that's man's accomplishments pretty amazing. These pyramids are pretty amazing. They seem pretty enduring. They seem like a pretty good thing, you know, and. I mean, how how much manpower did that take? How many generations built those pyramids? How much work is that? You know, and I'm always amazed when I see like um, somebody passes away and they have a lot of things. Do you ever wonder to yourself, man, how long did that take him to build all that up? How long did it take to buy all that stuff? How long did it take to build all those things? And, and as you watch, family members take one thing at a time out of the house. And you say, man, all that time we spent building sandcastles. And you just watch the water come up and just wipes it away. There's nothing left, you know, of what we built. But then you look at Abraham And Abraham lived at the same time as Nimrod. And Abraham, in fact, there's two great men, they will say, in those chapters. Nimrod contrasted with Abraham. And Abraham is different. Abraham is not building a giant building that will make his name great. And all this labor and all these people and all these things, he's not building the sandcastle like Nimrod is. It says that Abraham, it says, By faith Abraham, in Hebrews eleven eight, was called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith he made his home in the promised land. Like a stranger in a foreign country, he lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him on the same promise, where he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. See how different that is? Nimrod is the architect of this amazing building, and Abraham is going to a place that God's building i got to ask you this morning, where, which one are you? Are you building sandcastles that are just going to be knocked over one day? Or are you building something that's going to last in your life, something that's going to endure, something that God is building and will last forever? I mean, God's building is much more enduring than the pyramids, as we'll see by the end of this sermon. Then you, you begin to see the God of the Old Testament. Did you ever notice that when uh, Adam and Eve are in the garden and they sin? Do you notice that God is immediately there? Very gently walking through, and he says, Adam, where are you? Where are you? Do you see the gentleness of God and walking in the garden in the cool of the day? And he's just saying, Where are you? And they're saying, We were hiding. Why are you hiding from me? Because we, you know, she did what you said not to do. And they start bickering back and forth about whose fault it is. And he goes through the things that are going to happen now that they've done that. And then you notice how gently God just says, it says that God then took a garment from an animal and clothed them. They tried to cover their own righteousness and he said, no, that's not going to work. Here's how I have to do it. And then you begin to explain to them through that garment that this is how you come to me. Because I'm going to come one day, and I'm going to, it's going to be God on earth. I'm going to come through the seed of a woman, and I'm going to crush sin one day. And he just gently begins to tell them that. Then you go a few chapters later, and here's Cain. Cain kills Abel, and man, here's God again. See how gentle he is? Comes in and he says, Cain, what have you done? I mean, you see this? I mean, God just gently, Cain, what have you done? He said, and then Cain just kind of rebelliously says, Well, am I my brother's keeper? Am I the one that should be watching over my brother? And he says, Cain, sin is crouching at the door. You can either take control over it or it will take control over you. And he's trying to tell Cain, there's a remedy here still. But it says, Cain runs from the presence of God. And he says, you're going to be a fugitive your whole life running from me. And he says, that's too much for me to bear, God. They'll kill me. And in his mercy, look how merciful God is. He says, I'll put a mark on you that when they see you, they won't kill you. He's protecting him still. You see the gentleness of God through all this, and then here is Nimrod building this tower, and who shows up? Amazing how many times God shows up. He shows up again, and he says, Hey, let's go see what they're building. And he sees how wicked it is, and he, you know, and God knows what happened with Cain. And he looks at this building project, and he just says, We can't. In His mercy, God couldn't allow it to happen again. So He begins to separate and stops the building project. And God's just always there, trying to stop us from rebelling, trying to pull us in closer to Him. And and so you see, Abraham, God. Um, says no Abraham don't do like the rest of the world build a house whose builder and maker is God let me build the foundations of the house and that's where he wanted to take him he wanted to build a house with him and then as you see one of his children uh grandchildren Jacob Jacob in Genesis chapter 28 Jacob is laying on a stone and listen to this what happens Jacob left Beersheba, set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and he laid down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord. Lord, And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land in which you are laying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. You will spread out to the west and the east, the north and the south. All peoples of the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I'm with you and I will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land and I will not leave you. till I've done what I promised you. You see the difference between the two? One is trying to build this structure that goes to heaven. And the other one just lays down and God says, here I am. And here's this ladder to heaven. You don't have to build a single thing. I've already made it for you. How many, how many know that God is somewhere right now preparing a place? You say, well, Chad, I got to build it. I gotta build it here. I gotta build my empire here. I've gotta build my security here. I gotta build my safety here. Somewhere right now, the master carpenter says, I go to prepare a place for you. And see, Abraham somehow knew this. Somehow he knew that God was preparing a place and he trusted God to build that place. He trusted God to fulfill all of his dreams, all of his desires. He said, I will give, I will give, I will give. But how many know we all want to build something that God has never called us to build? We want to build these sandcastles. And it says that um, some of the details are very interesting. It said that he wanted to build a name for himself. How many know Nimrod built it because he wanted to build a name for himself? How many know that we go through life trying to build a name? Trying to build a reputation? Trying to worry about what people think about us all the time? How many know that's a very selfish way to live life? But with Abraham, it was different. With Abraham, he says, I will give you a name. I will Make your name great. In fact, Abraham, in, in Psalms 34-3, it says, Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let it exalt his name together. Psalm 66-2, sing about the glory of God's name. Tell the world how glorious he is. Psalm 105-1 says, Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. How many know that you can live life two different ways? You can make his name great or you make your name great. And there are a lot of people that every day all life is, is building this tower to myself. And then there are other people that are trying to make his name great. And that's a whole different way to live life. Hallelujah. And so Jesus, when he comes along, one of the things Jesus talks about is, What kind of house should we build? I already said in our, in our heart is a desire to build a life. We want to build a life. We want to build a great life. We want to build a life that's enduring and solid and strong and structurally going to last. And Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. He says, Therefore... Everyone who hears the words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Hallelujah. How many have ever had your house crash? How many have ever had dreams crash? How many have ever had things that you built your life on that just... Didn't last. It felt like a sandcastle. I've had that happen. I've had things that I built my life on that just, God didn't build it and it just fell down. There was a false sense of security that it was a solid thing. But it just didn't last. And so this is kind of a scary story here. It actually says here that two people built a house. And one was the wise man who built it on a rock, and the other one was a foolish man that built it on sand. And that's the only thing that's different in this story. That's why this story is so scary. I mean, no, oh, the houses looked the same, probably. The houses weren't any different. On the outside, I mean you know, there are a lot of people that have built their life on religion, Just like Cain, just like Abel, or just like Cain, just like Nimrod, they built their house um, in a fashion that God never ordained them to build it. And so here's a story that Jesus tells on how are we building our life? Are we building our life as a religious structure? Are we building our life on the words of Christ? And so as you begin to look at this, there are two people in this story and both built houses. They both built in the same location. They both had the same storms. They both had similar houses. But the difference between the two is how that what they built it upon. What is their foundation in their life? And so it's very, important in this story because Jesus starts it off with, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man who built his house on the rock. So if he says, therefore, that means that he's connecting it with whatever story was before how the person built their house. And so the stories that came before this in Matthew chapter 7 was three stories that are very interesting. The first story is the narrow and the wide gate. Now remember, Jesus is building up to this story. It says, enter through the narrow gate. And I read this scripture a few weeks ago. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, broad is the road that leads to destruction. Many will enter through it, but small is the gate, narrow is the road that leads to life, only few find it. Then he goes to the next one, which is true and false prophets. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing. Inwardly, they're ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes or thorn from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down, thrown into the fire but by their fruit you will recognize them. So Jesus is building this up. Some people are on the right path, some are on the wrong path. Some are bearing good fruit, some are bearing bad fruit. And then he says the true and false disciples Scripture. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles, then I will say to them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. And then Jesus goes in to the next story where he says, Therefore, make sure everyone who hears the words of mine puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. The rains came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house. The only difference between the two in each of those stories is a person who actually took the words of Jesus and lived them out in their life. That is a true disciple of Jesus Christ. And so church, I just want to ask you today as I close um, with the Scripture from Revelation, examine our foundations. How have we built our house? Have we built it with a good foundation or have we built sandcastles? Have we built something that's going to last, or have we built something that is not going to last? And I want to read something here in Revelation. I'm going to close with this. And Ryan, you can come up. <clears throat> I feel like a lot of. Um, I feel like a lot of what we see in America is religion. And it's just religion really is anything that you do on a regular basis. It's a habit. Like you could religiously eat breakfast every morning. Right? Like I religiously eat breakfast. Just something I do regularly, consistently. Um, but if what you're doing religiously is not founded in the words of Christ it 's not a good foundation, and what Nimrod was doing was he built a religion um, that allowed people to do anything and everything they wanted. in fact, um, that was the key earmark of a pagan religion was they were able to just do whatever and God was not um, god 's rule was not a part of that life. They cut God out, and uh, the pagan religions were known for their sexual immorality the um, drug, alcohol use, that kind of thing was all part of the pagan worship. Um, and even their behavior um, systems were totally different than um, the God of heaven. And so I'm afraid in America, a lot of what we have is just religious systems. And we haven't built our foundation on Jesus Christ. And we're building religious houses that are dedicated to God, but it's not based on the word of God. And so in Revelation, I want you to see what happens to these houses that are built, religious houses that are built on a wrong foundation. Because this is the end of what happens to Babylon. And this is long, but I'm going to read this. This is in Revelation chapter 18. Listen to the end. You say, well, man, the structures they built back then in defiance of God, they're all still standing right? And we can be tempted to build foundations in our life that are contrary to God and say, man, this looks stable. This looks solid. Um, but can I tell you, everything that we build in this world is just a sandcastle unless we build it on the foundation of Jesus's words, the way he expects us to live our life. I'm sorry, I don't know why. This building gets really dry certain times of the year. I've never had any issues until this building. <clears throat> but listen to what happens at the very end. It says, Then I heard another voice from heaven say, Actually, let me go a little farther back. I'm going to start in verse one. And I saw another angel coming down from heaven. He had great authority. And the earth was illuminated by his splendor. With a mighty voice he shouted, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the Great. She became a dwelling for demons and haunt for every impure spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable animal. The maddening wine of her adulteries, the kings of the earth committed adultery with her. The merchants of the earth grew rich from her excess of luxury. Then I heard another voice from heaven say, listen to this, Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins, so you may not receive any of her plagues. For her sins are piled up to heaven, and God has remembered her crimes. Do you see the shadow here of what we read in Genesis 11? Heaven is like recognizing what's being built here on earth. And God is literally finally at the end of history coming down and saying, you got to come out of her. You can't keep building buildings like the world builds. You can't keep building foundations like the world builds. You can't keep following the ways of the world because it's all going to come. Remember how sad it was when that structure you built just fell down? Like, oh man, I just worked two hours on that and you just knocked it down. Well, this is what's happening at the end of our lives, whether we die or we're in the book of Revelation. It says, give back to her as she was given. Pay her back double for what she's done. Pour out a double portion from her own cup. Give her as much torment and grief as the glory and luxury she gave to herself. In her heart she boasts, I sit enthroned as a queen. I'm not a widow. I will never mourn. Therefore, in one day, her plagues will overtake her, death, mourning, and famine. She will be consumed by fire, for mighty is the Lord God who judges her. When the kings of the earth who committed adultery with her shared her luxury, see the smoke of her burning. They will weep, and they will mourn over her, terrified at her torment. They will stand far off, and they will cry, Woe, woe to you, great city, mighty city of Babylon. In one hour, your doom has come. The merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her because no one buys her cargoes anymore. Skip down to verse 14. It says, They will say, The fruit you long for is gone from you. All your luxury and splendor has vanished, never to be recovered. The merchants who sold and gained wealth from her will stand afar off terrified at her torment meant they will weep and mourn and cry out, Woe to you, great city, dressed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, and glittering with gold. Precious stones and pearls. Church, stand to your feet this morning. Hallelujah. That is a description of a world system that has built their life, built their life on something other than the Word of God. And today, God is just calling us to build our lives upon a rock. And you say, well, man, I'm an ambitious person. And I've been working on this thing, and I've been working on that thing. In fact, when you read chapter 18 of Revelation, it says that within her are the souls of men. How many know the things that we're working on today, they better be eternal things. And they better be things that affect people for eternity, and things that are built for eternity, and... And, and just examine, don't, don't be that person who just spiritually sits on the beach and is just in your own little world and, and all you can see is all the things that you're building and all the things that um, you're working on. And, and God's saying, well, wait a minute, come out of that. I'm trying to build something eternal in your family. I'm trying to build something eternal in your life. Because the things that are here right now, those pyramids that they built, they're nothing more to God than just a sandcastle. That's all they are. They look eternal. They look enduring. But the only thing that's eternal is the place that God's building for us. The place that we're going to go. God wants us to have a vision like Jacob and see him stand at the top of the ladder and say, i built it all. Just walk in it. Just, just come to the place that I've prepared for you. Quit building your kingdoms in this earth. Build your treasures in heaven where moth and rust and all those things can't destroy it and you say well chad i want to build a lot of money well, that's okay to be secure but but church we've got to build our treasures in heaven we've got to build on an eternal foundation hallelujah let's go to the lord in prayer heavenly father lord i just um thank you for your word and i just pray that it would um find a place in hearts and uh and just um, use it, Lord, for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen. Church, I struggled a little bit this morning to preach this message. I'm sorry. I don't know why that happens sometimes. But can I just tell you, find a place this morning and just examine your foundations. I don't want anybody uh, to be building on a bad foundation or build anything in your life um, that's not glorifying to God. And, and uh, Babylon is just a, its a hard message to preach, but... You know, Babylon, Babylon structure is not what you want to build in your life. You want to build your foundation on Christ. So just find a place this morning. We're going to worship for a few minutes, and then we'll close in a word of prayer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Church... Um, going to skip to the part in here I want to close with but I, I struggled this morning to preach sometimes that happens but I want you to know this morning I was reading a story and this message what really inspired me in this message is how complicated we make a relationship with God like he has done everything you know he's prepared a path you know with Jacob he just opened up heaven and said here I am you know this ladder reaches into heaven you don't have to build anything you know you don't have to work so hard to find me here I am he just showed up everywhere even to the worst you know even to Cain in the middle of that moment he was still merciful and loving and I was reading a story this week that kind of struck me and it was a woman who lived in China, and she was a, an abortion doctor. And under their one-child policy, it was her job to perform many, many, many abortions. Because they just had a policy where you could only have so many children. Terrible policy. And so over the years, the story said that she was just racked with guilt and shame. And it really affected her in a very bad way. And she had gotten advice from a Buddhist monk. And the advice he gave her was, you need to save one child at a time for every child that you aborted. Isn't that awful advice? And I just, in my mind, uh, God took me immediately to that religious building called Babel, where we work so hard to build that structure to heaven to try to build something that will help us out of our problems. And inside of me, everything was just screaming. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I wish I could have preached to that woman. And she finally had a minister came in and said, the Lord forgives you. The Lord loves you. And church, this message is all about the religious structures that we build in our life. And God doesn't want us to do that. God made it so simple a fool needs not make a mistake. God made a path. God built the structure. God built the building. It was so simple with Abraham, so difficult with Nimrod. God built a structure for us to know him. He loves us. We don't have to build religious structure. We don't have to be religious people. Hallelujah. We just have to know Christ. Hallelujah. He's built it today. Let's walk in that. Hallelujah. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, I love you so much, Lord. And Lord, I pray that today that they would choose you, Lord. Lord, to know you, to love you and not religion, Lord. Religion is man's attempt to build something to reach you, Lord. But, Lord, you reached out to us, Lord God. You came to us. You died for us. You were resurrected. You showed us the way to heaven, Lord. You've opened the door wide open today, Lord. And, Lord, I just pray that it would be that simple, Lord, that we would uh, just know you, Lord God. Find your forgiveness. Find your love. And I pray that today, Lord God, that we would destroy every religious structure, Lord God, and we would just find you. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah.